Father, this morning we look to you, Lord. You are our Father. You birthed us through your Spirit. And you have given us the authority to become the sons and the daughters of the living God. That's why we have come here. We have come as your children. So that we may learn of your Spirit how to become more and more like your children. How we ought to live. How we ought to talk. How we ought to work. How we ought to behave. How does God's children live out their lives? So teach us, Lord. Speak to us, O Lord. Show us, Lord. Empower us, O Lord. Jesus, we look unto you. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. Come it all here. All online, around the world. Come in them all into thy hands. We are one body in Christ. Spirit of God, I release this time into thy hands and each one. Meet us at our points of need. Where we need correction. Where we need strength. Where we need healing. Where we need deliverance. Where we need encouragement. You alone know, Lord. And you alone are able to do it. Entirely dependent upon you, Jesus. Do thy work in our midst. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Remember, we were looking from the book of Joshua. We'll just go through a few verses, but we'll shift to the New Testament for today. But the principles are, are there. We look at Joshua chapter 5. This is after they have crossed the river. Okay, All these experiences are after Israel has crossed the river Jordan. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal, kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at the twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. I mean, if you read that portions, those chapters where they cross over, so much in it, so much in it. You can go through it words by words, what God is doing with a new generation of believers. The first generation complained, grumbled, gossiped, slandered, wandered, and wasted their lives. All that God had for them, they didn't possess anything. All they saw was a testimony that 12 people brought from the other side. They saw it, but they never possessed what God had for them. Simply because they were complaining and murmuring and grumbling and never believing and obeying God by faith. Now God has raised up another generation. It's a different generation. Such unity has been forged. They're literally one nation, one people, under Joshua. You need to understand what God is able to do 
when unity is forged, and that's what's happening. And they have to go through a process. God is not hurrying anything. God is not hurrying anything. God is, we need to understand, because sometimes we want God to hurry. But God is not in a hurry about anything, because he has what is important to him. What is important to me and to you is, may not be important to God. So we need to understand what is important to God. Here, first what he does is that they all were circumcised. They were all circumcised. And I believe all of you are baptized, or most of you are baptized. Everybody had to go through one institution and enter into a covenant. Now they became a covenanted people. It is in the waters of baptism that we enter into a covenant with God. Remember, it is an eternal covenant. God made an eternal covenant with Israel and the mark of it was circumcision. We enter into an eternal covenant with God and that is when we get baptized. They become one people through that. And then the Bible says, if you go further, go back to, go back to verse 8 and 9. And then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And you have to believe. How can circumcision do something inside you? You have to believe. The day you got baptized, you, everything of your past was erased. It's not there. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So he says, everything of Egypt, your bondage to slavery, your bondage to Pharaoh, all that thing, it's a past. It doesn't exist. I have rolled it away. I have rolled it away. And you have to believe. Because if you don't do these things, if you don't believe these things, we will not be able to move into what God has for us. Rolled away. And therefore the name of the place is called Gilgal. To this day, Gilgal means the place where it was rolled away. Your reproach was rolled away. You should always remember the day of your baptism. Because that is the day of your death. Your burial. And the rise of the new man. Remember, right? The sermons you heard the last two Sundays. Resurrection is for the dead. And what Jesus offers is resurrection power. Resurrection is not for the living. It is not for the old man. It is for the new man. So it's a new men, set of people who are rising. And then if you go to verse 10, it says, the children of Israel camped in Gilbal. And the first thing they do now is they observe Passover. Okay, We talked from worship in the beginning through prayer. What are we thanking God for? We are thanking God for the blood of his son. That is the reason we are. We are fighting a battle that was already won. How was it won? By his blood. The devil has no answer. God's wrath was perfectly satisfied when the son shed his blood on the cross. And on the cross, he took all the requirements on the law and nailed it on the cross. It is taken away. It's, he's completed what God requires from every one of us. Nobody is fighting for salvation here. You can never fight for salvation. We're fighting for sanctification, but that's for the saved. So we need to realize that's where they begin. And the Bible says, okay, they, they camped in Gilgal, kept the Passover the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho, and the same day something happens. There was a tangible difference in the old life. Manna stopped. 
manna stopped. And they ate the produce of that land. Okay. Now they are partaking of the very life of Christ. And you will see after that, the battles begin. And they're going to win. They're going to win. And we have to go through that process. But this morning, I want to turn to Acts chapter 2 and see how we see this in the new covenant. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 to 47. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. Then fear came upon every soul, Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What a powerful passage. It still should make the little hair you have stand on its end. This is how the church began. 2,000 years later, the church is a Sunday morning service in a rented auditorium. Where has the life of God gone? Where has it disappeared? What went wrong? Almost everywhere in the world. Church is restricted to two hours, three hours on a Sunday morning. But that's not, this is the beginning of the church. This is where the church began. And you see the power of God that is released into a community like that. Normally, structures are like this. Square, rectangular, usually. Structures. Of course, you have triangular like a wigwam. American Indians used to live or a round shaped igloo, the Eskimos live, but primarily it is uh, rectangular or a squarish. And usually every structure, primarily you can have more if it is larger, but has four pillars. Has four pillars. You need these four pillars for that structure to be strong. If you take one pillar off, structure starts wobbling. You take two off, it collapses. You need four. You will see how the church was built. 
One of the things which I teach pastors in every country, every city where I go, I teach them. If you're a pastor, you want to build your church, it doesn't matter what the pressure is from the world or from the congregation. There is only one way to build the church. And the format is given where the church began. The first, in verse 38, is not a pillar. It is a condition. Okay? If you want to be part of the church, enter into the kingdom of God, the first is a condition. Repent. Repent of your sins. Repent. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done, and be baptized. One has got to do with sin, that is repentance. The other has got to do with life God is offering, that is baptism, because life begins actually after that. It is the resurrection of the dead. Because we were, we were dead in our trespasses. If you are not saved this morning, the reality in heaven about you is you are dead. Because your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. So your current reality is irrelevant. You may feel young, youthful, full of energy, vigor, but in heaven you are dead. You become alive when your name is written. Your name is written the day you repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you enter into a covenant when you go through the waters of baptism. So the first is a condition. Repent, believe, be baptized. And the Bible says over there, those who gladly received that message. It is not easy. It is not easy. If you are living in such a conservative, orthodox, Judaic society, even now, if a Jew in Israel becomes Christian, do you know what happens to him? If a Muslim becomes Christian, do you know what happens to him or her? Or a Hindu in a Hindu community becomes a Christian. What happens to them? But the Bible says they gladly received. Everywhere in the Bible, if you read carefully, whether it was among the Jews or whether it was in Thessalonica, who are Gentiles, they received with great joy. And they all paid the price. They're willing to pay the price. Did you receive the gospel with joy? Those who received gladly, the Bible says, they were baptized. Baptized. They received his word, were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So, there were 120. Now there is 3,120. The church has begun. Go to verse 42. These are the four pillars on which every church is built. And they continued steadfastly. Different translations will use this. On the one translation, they committed themselves. Steadfastly. What's the first thing? Doctrine. Why do you need doctrine? Because it's a new life. It's not the life you and I lived before. It's a completely new life. All things have, old things have passed away. All things have become new. It's new. Like I told, the most dramatic or 
in its own simplicity, God uses the illustration of what it is. He said, it's a new birth. Unless you have been born from above. And Nicodemus, the theologian, is shocked. He doesn't understand. He says, how can I be born again? How can I go back to into my mother's womb and come out again? He says, no, you are born of the Spirit. Like I use this example, right? When the baby is in the mother's womb, the only faculty I think it really works is its ears. It can't see. It doesn't even breathe. It doesn't eat. Its oxygen supply is through the umbilical cord. Its nourishment is through the umbilical cord. Then when it is born, you hear the first cry? Not the shock, but the first cry is when he or she started breathing. Starts breathing. It has to be fed. It, everything has changed for the child. Everything radically has changed. It's a totally new life. It needs two full-time caretakers called parents to teach it how to love. How to love. And the mother is the main caretaker. Why do you need a caretaker? Because this child does not know this life at all. So there is a set of 3,000 people who are born again. They had lived a different life. Kosher life, Judaism. But this life is radically different. And they have to be taught how to love. So the first thing they need to love is doctrine. And the apostles are teaching it. These are not the apostles' doctrine, but the doctrine taught by the apostles, which is the doctrine of Christ. That's what we spend a lot of our time teaching. What are we teaching? How would Christ live in you? Simple thing. If Christ were in me, or if Christ were in my shoes, what would he do? What would he be thinking now? What would he be thinking now? What would be he doing? How would he live my life out? If you get the questions right, you get the right answers. Because our questions are wrong, so often we don't get the answers. Because our question is usually, Lord, give me some of your power to live my life out. And then we get frustrated. The power of God is to live His life. You will receive power and you shall be my witnesses. My witnesses. His witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. The patterns are there. If you turn with me into Matthew chapter 3. We're looking at Jesus. Because where does our faith come from? Looking unto Jesus. The author, finisher, perfecter of our faith. So let us see when Jesus is displayed to us. Before that we hardly know anything about him. When he had been baptized... You see, there's hardly anything mentioned about his life before. Can you think about the most important person ever to be born? And hardly anything is written about the first 30 years of his life. 
which is true about all of us. When you go to heaven, you will realize your history begins now, after you got baptized. Before that, it doesn't matter what all you say. It is irrelevant. It is dead history. So Jesus gets baptized. And then, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting upon him. And suddenly, a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Yes. Can I have the next verse too? To four one, all the way till four one. Yeah. Where it says, "The spirit of the Lord drove him into the wilderness." Yeah, four one, four one. Can I have four one? Yeah. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The battles begin. The trials and the temptations begin. Only for baptized people. Only for saved people. Honestly, when I look back into my life, before I was saved, I had no troubles. I had no temptations. It was, before I was saved, it was very easy to handle temptation. Just given. It was so easy to handle temptation. You just had to give in. But then, once you get saved, the battle began. Once you got baptized, the battles and the trials began. That's why we need power. We move into a different realm. A realm of trials and temptation. And that's where we need doctrine. That's where we need teaching. How to handle this new life. Because if you get saved, you get baptized, and you are not empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you don't have doctrine, you will just fall apart. Fall apart. So much confusion is there in the church. It's not because people are not saved. It's people do not have doctrine. And the doctrine they receive is sadly, is often false. It is doctrine connected with the old life and nothing with the new life. Because if you look into any TV channel, most of them, or you listen to them, it's all about this life. It's about how to wealth and health and gain. and It's all about, that is not the doctrine of Christ. That's not the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ is a doctrine which is post-death and resurrection. It's a different, a different, different doctrine altogether. Yes, there is prosperity in it, but that is not the goal. That is something that follows you. These signs shall follow those who believe. But people are following signs. Signs are not following them. You will read the book of Acts. You will not see the church running after signs. The signs were happening among them. Why? Because they were following the doctrine of Christ. And we have to be very, very careful. What am I following? One generation wandered and were destroyed in the desert simply because they followed the doctrine of Egypt or the world. Because every time when there was trouble, their reference point was the world from which they were saved. And they were wandered and they died. The second generation never talked about Egypt. 
never talked about Egypt. Do you read from Joshua chapter 1 till the last? They never talked about Egypt. They never talked about it. So we need to ask ourselves, what do I talk about? What do I think about? What is my real life? This is the questions which we need to ask because we know we are coming towards those days. So we need to understand, like we hear about revivals, outpouring of the Holy Spirit here, there, the Nashville, and all this, Ashbury, all these places. Why is that revivals don't last? You know why? Because the doctrine of the kingdom is not there. Individually looking, ask yourself, have you been able to continue in that spirit, never buckling, never changing? The only possibility for the Holy Spirit to continuously work in a person's life is doctrine. He needs that doctrine. That's one pillar. This is your word. I receive it by faith. I walk by faith and not sight. So the first pillar of the church was doctrine. First pillar is doctrine. Those who were saved, those I remember, I told you, those are not pillars, but those are things, fundamental things, which we go through. We repent, we get baptized, our death, burial, and resurrection to a new life, and the new baby needs milk, it needs meat, it keeps growing up. Doctrine. If the apostles hadn't been there, and the 3,000 people got baptized and left, what you would have had was chaos. They didn't leave. They all, and they had come from all parts of the world. They hung there. They received the doctrine. If you look at Romans 6, 3 to 5, they went through this. This is baptism. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk, what kind of life? Newness of life. Not the old life. Newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So the first and the most important thing that happened was all those who heard, repented, believed, and what did they, how do you know they believed? They got baptized. Everybody did not get baptized. Everybody did not receive it. Only 3,000. There were probably tens and thousands of people because it's the festival where three times a year the young people of Israel has to gather. They were in there. So many were there. 3,000 believed and they went through that institution went through that institution. And then, verse 17 says, But God be thanked, though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. Do you know that? We were delivered from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light into a form of doctrine. The word form over there actually means a mold. Okay, cast or a mold. A lot of people don't understand mold or anything. Easy to, for Indian is very easy. Have you eaten idli? You know the dough? Pour it into that mold. Steam it, it comes out in a different shape. Did you see? The doctrine is a mold. Then we come out a different person altogether. You received, 
you received what the form the mold of doctrine to which you were delivered so the church is beginning very powerfully and what is happening over there they have doctrine if you don't have doctrine you don't spend time on listening the problem i'm telling you the problem which 21st century like now usually churches did not have this in the old days so much trouble like we had the thing is that all people are listening to different doctrines you all have your favorite preachers on internet and tv and all yet you belong here you're all eating in restaurants and never eating from your home the problem is you always have gastroenteritis why because you need not eating from home if i were to ask all even now there are people sitting downstairs i'm telling you there are people who will be wandering there downstairs sitting in the car i have seen people in this church sitting in the car and not listening to the message when he was preaching i go out and they're not young people i ask what are you doing here you need to understand christ death and resurrection resulted in the church it's a completely different thing if we were to ask you of the past one week that has is behind us how many messages did you hear there are many who did not hear even one message yet they have listened to many other messages and you will realize what happens what god wants to do does not happen look in isaiah chapter 513 and hosea 46 what happened to israel before my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge why did they go into captivity why did israel go into captivity why did the first generation go into captivity literally wander and die in the wilderness when they had the best teacher in the old covenant called moses because they did not receive his teaching second generation received his teaching in deuteronomy he is speaking to the second generation they received his teaching they went in and possessed the land they received the doctrine and that's why he says let me doctrine fall like the rain and they received it they just died their honorable men are famished and the multitude died with thirst why because they don't receive doctrine receive doctrine they don't receive doctrine Hosea four six same thing. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. What is this knowledge? It's not what you get in schools and colleges. Show me one person. Show me one person who went to school or college and got saved because of what he heard in the classroom. One person. show me one person who went to school inter first year second year under graduation pg whatever degrees show me one person who said because of what i learned in school and college i got saved nobody nobody so we are not talking about that knowledge we are not talking about that knowledge we are talking about the knowledge of god my people are destroyed 
So the old covenant, they were destroyed because they did not know the doctrine of God, how to live. Yet they had all the promises and if they lived by their promises, if any generation turned around and lived by generation, they were undefeatable. Whether it was Joshua's generation, whether it was under David or Solomon or Hezekiah, Jehoshaphat, Josiah, it didn't matter how small they were and how huge the enemy was, they were not defeated. It's simply because of the doctrine they believed. They could not be defeated. We sang a song, right? We're fighting a battle that has already been won. So doctrine is the foundation. I'm not concentrating today on doctrine. Don't get me wrong. But you cannot go to the other pillar without going through doctrine. Because you have to cross the first stage. The first pillar is doctrine. We have to understand doctrine. How does this new man, new woman, new child in Christ live? It is the newness of life. Newness of life. Then you go to Acts 2.42. We come to the second pillar. They gathered steadfastly for the apostles' doctrine and the second thing and fellowship. Fellowship. What did they gather for? Fellowship. It's interesting. Fellowship. The first time this word is used in the Bible. The word koinonia. Word fellowship should not be used in the world. It's a sacred term to be used only in a living body of Christ. They gathered steadfastly for koinonia. It's not a secular world. Word. It's a sacred word. We have confused because now they're talking about fellowship, 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 which is basically clubs. Shared mutual interests. No, it is not. Koinonia is not a word to be used lightly. First you have the word which is called ecclesia, the ones who have come out. That is through your baptism. Only for those who have come out can have koinonia. Can have koinonia. Understand, it's a very, very powerful. There. They carry that life with them. Something has changed radically. Fellowship is a life lived out based on the doctrine you have received. The proof of everything is koinonia. I could read it out to you how you should read that portion. They devoted themselves to koinonia. And all the beliefs were together, koinonia. Had everything in common, koinonia. Every day, they, every day they continued to meet together, koinonia. They broke bread in their homes, koinonia. Ate together, koinonia. That's what it implies. It was a shared life. Shared life. Life lived out. A life that is proven. The doctrine was tested. 
Are you living this life out? A few years later, you will see what happens. 8.1, Acts 8.1, the Bible says, Saul was consenting to his death at that time. A great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Meaning, they were all outwardly headless. Apostles are in Jerusalem. People have been scattered. Shepherds are in Jerusalem. Sheep has been scattered. God was testing them. Did you learn? Have you received the life? This is the test for you. Look at verse. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. They were not destroyed for lack of knowledge. They actually were full of the life they had received in Koinonia, in the fellowship. Ask this question. Because this is the second pillar. And our issue is with the second pillar. Everything is about koinonia. Doctrine is about koinonia. The third pillar, breaking of bread, is about koinonia. Prayer is about koinonia. If you take koinonia out, everything will fall apart. When you reach heaven, there isn't much doctrine. There's no breaking of bread. There's probably no prayer at all. But there will be everlasting koinonia. We don't even know what koinonia is. That's why when you read that portion, still should make your hair stand up. What kind of a church was this? What kind of a church? What kind of life is this? Let me tell you something. This never happened in Israel's history. Israel had religion. They did not have koinonia. Three times a year, Israelites gathered. The men gathered. They did not have koinonia. It's a completely new word coined in the new covenant. It was not possible to have koinonia in the old covenant because the spirit was not given. The proof of the Spirit of God living in the church is koinonia. You had doctrine in the Old Covenant. They ate bread in the Old Covenant. Melchizedek brought bread and wine for Abraham. They had plenty of prayers and powerful intercessors in the Old Covenant. But what they could not have in the Old Covenant was koinonia. It was not possible. So we need to understand. What does it mean? What is the church? What is the church? You know, in the, in the Garden of Eden, doctrine was given to Adam and Eve. It is very simple doctrine. <laughs> very simple. Doctrines are very simple if you listen to last night's Q&A. This gospel is very simple because the giver of the gospel, Jesus, is very simple, not complicated like you. He's a very simple man. So he's a very simple teacher and his gospel is very simple. So instructions to Adam is very simple. Eat everything, don't eat that. You eat this, you will live. You eat this, you will die. Very simple. Hmm? What's so complex about it? 
then this is your house, tend it, take care of it. Do you see that? Then he looks at him. God cannot be with Adam all the time. So God has his own work to do. <laughs> I and my father are at work from the beginning till now is what Jesus says. So he looks at Adam and he says, it is not good for Adam to be alone. He needs koinonia. He needs fellowship. So I, when I preach in weddings, I always tell them, the primary purpose of marriage is not to have children. It is to have fellowship. And if you do not have fellowship, your marriage is a failure. It doesn't matter how successful you are in every other area, your marriage has failed because the primary purpose of marriage is fellowship. Where two people become one through fellowship. They disobeyed God. They sinned. And as soon as sin came, do you know what happened? Koinonia broke. The first result of sin is fellowship broke between man and God and man and woman. Fellowship broke. Genesis 3.8 It is God who is coming seeking to restore fellowship. 3.8 uh, and 9 They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. When you read these things, understand, okay? Husbands and wives, learn a lesson from there. They heard the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So wives, when your husband is losing his cool, don't try to have fellowship. Wait until he's cool because you can have better fellowship. Be wise like Abigail. She waited until the husband was sober. Then she had fellowship and he fell dead. <laughs> These are not random verses. This is scripture. Most of the problems is that, I mean, conflicts usually, no? Because God knows men. Men are angry. That's why to Timothy's book he says, men lift up holy hands without anger, without wrath. Because he knows we can pray angrily also. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, men are angry. Women are mischievous. Because it's, because the Bible says the woman was deceived. Now, I didn't say that, so don't look at me angry. God said it. Okay. Women are prone to deception. It is because they are made Emotional, they are prone to deception. Emotions are very deceptive. Now, men and women are not receiving the doctrine even the same way. You know that men will receive doctrine through reason and the women takes it through emotions. I like this one. I don't like that one. You are, it's not up to you to what to like and what to dislike. Doctrine is life. This is not a buffet. It doesn't work like that. That's why the devil went to Eve. He didn't go to Adam. She got deceived. She gave it to him. The Bible says Adam was not deceived and she gave it to him. And that is basically what actually happens in homes. The idea is given to the woman. She receives with full passion and then she gives it to the man. Lord have mercy on him if he doesn't receive that fruit. 
Once he has eaten the fruit, he feels naked and ashamed. This is basically what happens. Yes, it is like the pastor who said, I may be the head, but my wife is the neck. She makes me turn whichever way I want. (laughs) So you need to understand God who made us, knows us, and he says, that is not the way to be. So they have fallen. God has come in the cool of the evening to have his regular time of fellowship. And verse 9 says, they are hiding. And the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? What is the first thing that meant? The previous day, he was waiting at that place. Today, he's run away. Run away. He run away. Are you running away? Like I told you, church is the best hiding place. Because the pastor thinks you are spiritual and God knows you are hiding. It's a good hiding place. Adam is hiding from God. What broke down? Fellowship broke down. Fellowship broke down. The Son of Man came to seek, to save the lost. There was unbroken communion between God and Adam till that day. What sin brought? The break of fellowship. Next you see is a break of fellowship between man and woman. This is the woman you gave. The woman says the serpent. All the blame game begins. It has never ended. Does it sound familiar happening in homes? Everything post fall. What man is trying to do is fill that vacuum. Everything you are trying to do will ultimately become meaningless at the end of your life if you don't focus on koinonia. Because whatever you are trying to do is trying to fill the vacuum. If you have doubt, ask Solomon. Ask the question, what is wrong in the things he pursued? Primarily nothing. Why was he empty at it? Because it was all at the cost of fellowship with God. I'm telling you, the emptiness you feel. You say, I work so hard. I get all these accolades. But after two days, I'm empty. I work, I read, I do this. I, whatever that you are doing. Have you noticed nothing less? You know why? Because that's not the way. Jesus came to show us the way back. The reason he died on the cross. We had a powerful song today. The blood was shed. was for the remission of our sins. And what happens when I'm forgiven of my sins? I'm restored back to fellowship with God first. Then with men who also have had remission of their sins. Not with the others. Primarily. Horizontally, primarily with God. And Sorry, vertically with God, horizontally with the others who have experienced the same grace of God. It is not possible to have fellowship with the others at the same level. Because koinonia is a very specific, special word. So if that is what 
his death did for me, the question to ask is, do I have koinonia? Do I have fellowship? Because that is what. And how that fellowship come? The fellowship comes. How is, how is it possible for all of us to actually fellowship if we leave on one thing we all have in common? It is the Spirit of God. We were born again by the same Spirit. Okay? In a family, there is fellowship because it is the same blood. Five children, same blood. Here, if you are all born again, born again by the same Spirit. At the end of the service, I will give a benediction. What is a benediction? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship, the koinonia of the Holy Spirit, rest with you. That's how we are one. It was the love of the Father that sent the Son. It is the grace of the Son that saved me. But it is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that makes us one. The koinonia. We become one. And it only happens in church. It cannot happen anywhere else. Because the church is a called out body to exhibit the life which is koinonia. That's why when you read Acts 2, 42 to 47, you hear, what a church. What a church. What a church. And we need to ask ourselves. First question, John 1, 12. As many as received him. Like I said, you don't receive doctrine first. You receive the person of Christ first. The spirit of Christ comes in. That's how you are born again. Receiving an idea will only make you a communist. You know, you can become a communist without ever knowing Karl Marx or Frederick Angels. You don't have to receive them. All you have to receive is their idea. To become a Buddhist, you don't have to receive Buddha. You only have to receive his teachings. To become a Hindu, you don't have to receive any of their gods. All you have to receive is the teachings. To become a Muslim, no Muslim says, I surrender and I receive Muhammad into my heart. He doesn't. He never says that. He only has to follow the precepts. You can never become a Christian by receiving doctrine. You become a Christian by receiving Christ. And that is when the beginning, the spirit of Christ comes in and you are born again. It is the spirit of Christ. God gives his Holy Spirit. The Bible says, as many who received him. What did he give them? He gave them the right to become the children of God. What do children do? They fellowship. That means vacation time, right? Children are all at home. What are they doing? They have their own games and their own fellowship. Children love vacation. They can keep themselves busy for hours together, doing nothing and having makeup place. I am doctor, you are patient, I'm giving me injection. They have wonderful fellowship. What did God make us? Children of God. Then, 1 John, 1 3. That which we have seen 
and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying, everything that I am writing is a result of my fellowship with God and His Son. What is that I teach from here? John is making it very clear. He says, you can have fellowship with me. Because I fellowship with God. This is the criteria. You want to have fellowship with me? You need to want to have fellowship with God. It's about fellowship. Look at that statement. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. If you want to have fellow, pastor, I want to know you. I really want to walk with you. Really? I will tell you. One way you can walk with me. You have to love my God. You have to serve my God. One thing I have told everybody, including my family, my children, you can come between me and anything except never dare to come between me and my God. If you ever put that question before me, I will choose my God over you. Don't ever do that. So you want a fellowship with me? You need to know what is most important for me, the person for me. That's what he's saying. You can fellowship with us. Why? Because truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son and Jesus Christ. Because there is fellowship in the world. It is not koinonia. It is based. These are clubs. Cricket club and music and arts club and you know, all kinds of clubs are there. This shared interest, but there is no koinonia. Koinonia is shared life. Once the club activities are over, everybody goes back and they forget. They have only one common point of interest. Church does not have a common point of interest. It has a common life. It has a common life. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, most people are lost in churches. Because they don't build these pillars. They don't build these pillars. This is the only way. So this is the only, the difference between a child and an orphan. What is the difference between a child and an orphan? The child has a home. The orphan is an orphanage. The child, the orphan, the, in some orphanages, the children living there may eat better than a child who lives in a home. But that does not make the orphanage a home. You go to boarding schools, high funder boarding schools, they have all the facilities, all the games under the sun, everything. You pay through your nose, but there is no koinonia. There is no life. That can never replace a home. My mother is ill. She's bedridden. She's got five children. Right? She's with me. Let me tell you the reason. Tell me tell you also something. She has five children. Her four children don't miss her. Do you know why? Because they grew up in the hostels from class one. So they don't miss her like I do. You send your children to boarding school, then you grow old, don't complain. Because you broke the law of koinonia. 
So they don't know how to relate when my sisters say that. When we grew up as girls, little girls, and reached our puberty, we had to learn all the things on our own because our mother was never there. But she was sacrificing her life there so that they could have an education. But we made education our idol. But we don't blame them. They did not know Christ. They did not know, understand all those things. But those you know, those of you who know, stand by it. I will not sacrifice anything in life for koinonia. So when I go over there, life is koinonia, the shared life of the Holy Spirit. Fellowship. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And we say, here, Lord, I give you my body, in which is my soul and spirit. God says, go to church. Where do you offer your body? See, people become very spiritual and they are not practical at all. People who say, I have surrendered, never attend church. They never fellowship. They don't know the problem of the person who's been sitting next to them for the past five years. Where is your koinonia? They have never invited the person who is sitting on beside you ever to their home. While it is written, they ate gladly. They gathered in the temple, but they ate in their homes every day. Now, you, I'm not saying that you need to go home to home. You live in the city. But you can send how much does it cost you? Oh, I think this sister, this brother is struggling. I know where he lives. Uber eats. 50 rupees? 60 rupees? 100 rupees? Do you ever think? Modernize it, 21st century. Turn it around. This one is hungry. I know. That one. But everybody is so caught up in their own lives. Where is Koinonia? Where is the Spirit of God flowing? How are you going to prepare when the day of persecution comes? What is going to happen to you when this nation is declared a Hindu Rashtra? And it will happen. No church will be ever be exempt from persecution. God will bring every nation because that's your final test. Then you will know whether you lived a shared life or not. What happens? Offer yourself. So your bodies, your lives are offered to God. And this is a place of surrender. You all have come together. You have come together. We try to make it as comfortable as possible, but you have come together. There has to be a surrender. And then, verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. The world has its own ways of living. Transformation has to take place. If you want to live that life called koinonia, transformation has to take place. Transformation has to. You have to start thinking differently. 
That's what John is saying. First and foremost, our fellowship is with the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. That's how the Trinity operates. How does the Trinity operate? They are one through the Spirit. And that's what God wants to do with us. He wants to make us one among ourselves and with Him through His Spirit. That's why the same Spirit is given. So that's why the first act of salvation, what is given, is the Holy Spirit and not doctrine. Doctrine is not given to people who is not given the Spirit. They will take and run in another direction. Doctrine is given to people who haven't given the Spirit of God because this doctrine, his intention is to share one life, the life of God. So every sin, listen carefully, every sin is a sin against that shared life, against that spirit, against koinonia. So they are going wonderfully. They have crossed over. They have done everything as Joshua has commanded. They are all pumped up, ready to go. Jericho comes down after one unit for six days, 13 times. They march, the walls come down. They take the city and one man breaks Koinonia. One man called Akan breaks the law of Koinonia. Next day, 36 men die. 36 families are without their fathers. There are 36 widows and there are orphans in the camp because one man broke the law of Koinonia. The spirit that keeps us together. In the apostolic church, one man and his woman tried to break that Koinonia and God struck them dead. Anianas and Safira. If you were asked, what were they trying to do? Why was it so, so terrible judgment? Because they were breaking koinonia. The spirit of God that is moving. And that's why the question Peter asked to the husband and the wife is, why did you lie to the spirit? That's the life that is flowing here. Then when she comes after husband is dead, he says, how did you and your husband come agree to Test the spirit. Where was the spirit? In Koinonia. Koinonia. That's our life. There is no other life God offers. So don't look at all these things on TV, mega churches. All this. It is irrelevant if there is no life. We are not running a program. This is not a performance. The church is not an organization, though it may have structure. It is a living organism. It's not an organization. Though it has structure. It is a living organism. That's the question we need to ask. We turn to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. You see? It is written to people who are in Christ. Every epistle is written to people who are in Christ, who have the Spirit of God. And what are you called? Saints, sanctified ones, set apart ones. 
verse 5. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. What is that unites us? What is our purpose? What is our commonality? It is the gospel. It is the gospel. There is a fellowship of the gospel. We all heard the gospel. We were all saved through the gospel. Because the gospel, the good news is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. For in it, a righteousness of God is revealed. And it is from faith unto faith. We are all fellowshipping based on this gospel. It's a fellowship of the gospel. And a fellowship unto the gospel. In Philippians 2, 1, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, it is the fellowship of the Spirit. Then as you grow, 3.10, That I might know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings. Right now we have a small baby there. Sakshi was there. She cried, Mom took her out. Why? She does not share in any sufferings of the parents. She has to be protected, carried, fed, looked after everything. But as a child starts growing up, you give them what is called chores. You are part of a family. We all have to share in the burden. So the little one starts putting away the toys. Don't have to be correct, but learn to fold. The first time you, the little one will fold, is stand on his bed and fold his sheet. Go ahead, do it. Doesn't have to be perfect, but you need to realize, you now have to share in my sufferings. Till yesterday, I did it for you. Now, you have to do it on your own. So as we grow, we share in the fellowship of his sufferings. His sufferings was for the body, therefore our suffering should be for the body of Christ. Share. Fellowship grows. But it begins with the gospel. And that is our shared cause. It begins with the gospel. That should never change our focus. We should be united by the purpose of the gospel because in the gospel is the power of God. So never ever fear to share. Be a witness. Let your light shine. I shared yesterday, right? I shared yesterday during the Q&A because of the question that was asked. I shared yesterday. There is an anointing that is given. That is given. That makes the burden light. All of you, except for me and Pastor Vijay and Ma, all of you are in the secular realm. How many of you ask every day and depend upon the anointing to do your work? Do you know why you don't have time? You are worn out and you struggle. I gave my testimony when I first worked as a rookie, young man, first time in another country, teaching a class and I have never spoken in public. I used to stutter. I was fearful. Never ever spoke in public and I get this job at that age in this country and like a sheep put among the wolves. Not a wolf among the sheep but a sheep among the wolves. I am given the senior most class. 
but dada is sitting over there many of the older than me and i have to teach shakespeare i am a rookie you know what happened to students who are in the senior most class their tails are out they act up and they act up on the newest and the youngest teacher you enter the class the dadas don't even get up and i used to go i was i was very young new believer good news bible and god's underground you see god knew where i would end up finally so he started me with the underground richard wombrems wrote god's underground go ahead go and buy it and read it it is my daily medita- meditations martin lloyd jones watchman nee and uh, richard wombrant i'm asking lord help me lord help me lord help me not it was not that i realized i could teach but the problem is not teaching it's controlling your students and i still remember when it broke through it was on an afternoon the class after lunch the worst period any teacher wants they have eaten till their gills it's coming out of their nostrils and by the time you reach the classroom everybody the dadas are all sitting at the back everybody is sleeping because they know the rookie is coming few girls uh, but they have told them very carefully don't wake us up that was the day i realized you could work under an anointing i just trusted god i put my text down text down without the text i started teaching shakespeare when i could feel something come upon me literally feel something come upon me and i started teaching shakespeare now what happened one by one they started waking up by the time i finished the whole class was awake listening intently after that day i had no trouble with my students because the anointing breaks the yoke it lifts the burden but the problem is that after that day other trouble started because the st- other students from other classes went and complained to the administration we want sir james to teach us and i didn't know this things was happening in the co- administration and everything because one day and there is somebody outside my classroom window when i go out and i look i see the principal and two or three other lecturers standing there they were listening to me teach and i am a rookie they did not understand the difference they did not know what an anointing means and i have experiences every time in the secular realm and in the sacred realm there is something called this which god gives you you have the spirit of god in you and he gives you an anointing but he is not going to do that until you understand this fundamentals the fundamental is koinonia we have been brought together for a purpose the gospel i could be the only lecturer in that country in those years who without preaching the gospel preach the gospel through shakespeare and baptize his students because i never forgot what i was there for i worked in as an editor in the this thing over here on my right side is revathi from jnu other other one's name i forgot she is from hcu and i am from here on 
if flu. But I tell you, by the time I left, they all knew Christ. There was no way you could hide it. Because this is what it was all about. Your life was all about him. We have been united by the gospel and the purpose is the gospel. And Matthew 24 and verse 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and the end will come. That is our purpose. We want the end to come, the reign of Christ to begin. And therefore we are inflamed by the gospel. You want to pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. Lord, make me a witness. Lord, make me a witness because I know if... I do my part in your universal body of Christ. I can do one thing, as Peter says. I can hasten your coming. Then all your griefs, your sorrows, your pain, your miss, everything is over. It is over. Everybody who says, how long God says, be the gospel. The end will come. That is the end. And then, one final thing, and then, and then, only one thing God demands. Church takes the gospel. As a witness. It doesn't say save. As a witness. Everybody should at least hear once. As a witness. As a witness. You ask God. When you go to your workplace, you ask God. God will give you ideas. To be a witness. Because this is koinonia. You have fellowship with the Father and the Son. And the desire of the Father, the Father sent the Son so that through his death he would birth other sons and daughters. So you cannot miss that passion. And in a country where proselytization is forbidden, and if I was caught, I would go into prison. And I had to give an undertaking that I will not proselytize anybody. God's Spirit can show you different ways. I shared that last week. I told my class, everything is for you done by the government, by the school college, everything, you will live on freedom and entitlement and everything, okay. What have you given back to your institution? They never heard anything like that. Said, don't you know that it is more blessed to give than to receive? Is that the gospel? They said, sir, we never know. I said, we will do one thing. These are the times when there is no cell phones, nothing of those days. You had phone with that wireless thing. So do you see our principal, every time he is walking around and there is a call, he has to run to the office to take a call. Let's do a surprise. We will put money for a month and then we will buy him a phone and give it to him. And your class leader, when you have to speak in the assembly, you should repeat, it is more say, thank the king, thank the government, thank the college, thank the administration, and says you have blessed us so much, but we want to be a blessing, and then give it. And I said, as the token, I am brought this box, and I'm putting the first 500 rupees. They were tickled pink. By the end of the month, we had money to buy the phone. And that kid who has no clue what the gospel is, who Jesus is, stood there and gave the gospel. It is more blessed to give and gave it to the principal. He took it to his office and opened it and he came to me and says, Sir James, it must be you. Nothing like this has ever happened in our college. If you believe, if you ask, God will give you a thousand different ways thousand different ways. Only thing that you need to realize, this is it. This gospel of the kingdom. 
this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Fellowship. The local assembly, the church, is the microsome of the future. This life we are called to share together is the picture of a life we will share there. No misunderstanding, no envy, no jealousy, all that has to be handled here. Because there, none of these things will be there. This is a preparation place for a prepared place. This place, a people are being prepared. In Corinthians 5.17, God says, If any man is in Christ Jesus, he said, new creation. All things have all passed away. All things have become new. Who? You and me. Everything else is old. But in Revelation 21, God says, All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. The old creation passes away. There is a new creation for this set of new creation. So we are being prepared. And where are we prepared? What is God's pressure cooker? What is God's kadai? It's the koinonia. And all the epistles are basically rules of fellowship. Don't lie to one another. Don't envy. Don't be angry. Don't do this thing. Work so that you can give. Can you imagine in Ephesians the Bible says those who stole should not, 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 should not steal anymore. Instead you should work with his hands so that he can give to those who need. The concept about work also has changed. It is koinonia. Did you ever think about how radical the gospel is? Like I said, before Pentecost, there was nothing like this in human history. Never. Because Israel had its festivals. Thrice a year. And most Christians gather in church thrice a year. Good Friday, Easter, Christmas. You could go to many churches in this city, sit there for 20 years and never know anybody. See the performance and the program and come back. I'm not blaming them, but if you look at them, many of the churches have small cell groups. But it is up to you to be part of that cell group. That most people don't. Acts 2.46 So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Where did they gather in the morning? In the temple. But where did they break bread? House to house. They broke bread. House to house. A set of people brought together by the Spirit of God. And they broke bread. We are not talking about communion. Why is it called communion? Holy communion. What is called communion? People who take communion have no communion with one another. They are just partaking communion. But they are not communicating with one another. Why is it called communion? Have you asked this question? Why is it called communion? What is communion? Koinonia. Fellowship. By the Spirit. Go to 1 John. 
that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon our hands have handled concerning what is this word it's the word of life do you know you're hearing the word of life this is not seven principles how to get promotion in your office and three steps to getting married no this is the word of life in the kingdom these things are not priority priority is god priority is surrender to christ yesterday i could ask one man in one country to hand your church over to the next one and go to that country because i need you there and he's putting his life at risk and he packed and it's already reached can i tell you that there is a crisis in this country i need you to go from here and i need you to go there and he left these are not simple people these are not people these are koinonia people are you surrendered do you understand what the body of christ is there are people in my churches who haven't still got married because they said we will not marry until you release us i said your time hasn't come yet boy is waiting girl is waiting so not yet but the kingdom is bigger than your marriage wait you are not or you don't i don't get people like you to get people like you to birth people like you it takes ages wait now i'm not saying that you should do all that in your hands first offer your bodies as a living sacrifice this is not a program this is not a performance this is a life the life of christ life of christ it's about the kingdom concerning the word of life two the life was manifested we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the father and was manifested to us that which we have seen heard we declare to you so that you may have fellowship with us what is the result of fellowship they share in the life of god that is a result and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ these things we write to you for what so that your joy may be full and what is the basis verse 5 to 7 This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light and in him there is no darkness if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie we lie we do not practice so you do you need to realize what is repentance all about why do we repent what is the whole purpose do not repentance for repentance sake repentance for the sake of fellowship with god if you don't know what is the purpose people will just ignore ah, it's okay pastor said repent it does not matter no that's not the reason for repentance repentance is so that you can fellowship with god because god cannot fellowship with sin 
He can fellowship with the sinner if the sinner is willing to deal with his sin. God is willing. God never changes. He's always loving, always merciful, always kind and always true. You see the prodigal son went further and further and further and further and further away then fell headlong into the pig pen. The father never moved. He always was the same. When the son came back, he had lost everything. Probably was stinking like the pigs, smelling. And he came with his long prepared speech. But what he received, father fell on his neck and hugged and kissed him. And covered him. Why was fellowship restored? He just dealt with his sin. The minute he dealt with his sin, through repentance, he cannot change anything. He cannot work and bring that money back. He can't do anything. All he can do is say, Father, I'm sorry. And that's all. And the father, fellowship was restored. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Next verse. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now it is not just fellowship with him. It is fellowship with one another. Come here, Abigail. Stand there. Abigail now sits in the right front. Stand here. Go stand near, near the pit. Okay? Now, because there is light, when I am walking, I can see, I can walk without hurting her. But if there is no light, and it is darkness, I can't see, she can't see, and we? You know why people don't have fellowship with one another? Because they are walking in darkness. If you walk in light, you have fellowship with God. You have fellowship with one another. Koinenia works. Condition is light. Yes, honey, sit. Oh, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. I don't talk to that one. I remember what he said 20 years ago. She said 15 years ago. You are walking in darkness. <coughs> the proof of the pudding is in eating. Koinonia is the proof of life. That is the proof. Are you alive? Or are you dead? What is the proof? Verse 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is always faithful. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And do you know what happens in the home, in the church, everywhere? Because church is full of homes. And it, the trouble begins at home. The whole trouble began in a home called Adam and Eve's home. It started in a home and then the virus spread through the world. In the home, you need to have koinonia. Husband and wives need to have koinonia. Parents and children need to have koinonia. You need to walk in the light. You cannot have compromised koinonia, but you need to have koinonia. Otherwise it will not work. Because we are the only evidence God has left on planet earth that Christ is real. By this, the world will know. By how? 
Because you love. It's not a song. It's a life. We know that song. Do we know that life? In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there's an issue in the church of Corinth. Serious issue. <coughs> Verse 11 to 13. But the principle here. <coughs> now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother. He is not talking about the people in the world. He's talking about only koinonia. These are rules of koinonia. What does he say? Who is sexually immoral or covetous, idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or an extortioner, not to even... See, everywhere eat comes. Have you noticed eating comes there? Because eating is a sign of fellowship. Do you know about children, little ones, when they were upset because you scolded over them, they will take their plate and go to the corner and sit like that. I'm cut with you. See, dining table, everything is revealed. That's why it's called the Lord's Supper. This revelation is at the dining table. What does it say? Don't even eat with such a person. Next. Well, what have I to do with judging those who are also are outside in the world? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, Put away from yourself that evil person. Now this was a very serious issue. What is the principle? What was the greatest punishment given in the church? You know what? Koinonia was broken with that person. Does it bother you? Do you know what was the only punishment given inside the church? Koinonia is broken. Don't eat with him. And he's a miserable man. That man is so miserable, he repents and comes back because all he wants is koinonia. Because what happens to this man? He's a brother. He's cut away from the life of God on earth. And he's like stranded in an island. Doesn't know what to do. And he turns and comes back. Do you understand what God is talking? Do we understand the seriousness of it? That's why it's called the Lord's table. That's why it is called communion. This table which God is talking about is life. Look at the final Passover. John chapter 13, 13. Very powerful. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, uh, his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? What did he do after the supper? Giving his final session. He says, we walked together, we lived together, we prayed together, we ministered together, now final meal together. But do you understand what I was doing? I want you to learn the primary lesson of shared life. What did he do? He washed their feet. He washed their feet. Then he asked them this question. Do you understand what I have done to you? Look at what he said. <coughs> you call me teacher and Lord. You say, well, for so am I. Yes? If then, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. 
He says, in koinonia, everyone serves the other. I'm showing you a way. This is not a program. This is not a performance. This is a shared life. I've shown you a way. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So churches make it a program before Easter from the Pope downwards. Get five people. First tell them, wash your feet carefully and come. (laughs) Then they will make on TV cameras, wash their feet. That is not koinonia. That is a performance. What is koinonia? You don't have to wash anybody's feet unless they require their feet to be washed and you have the capacity and they don't have the capacity to wash their feet. You do it. But it's primarily in the body of Christ. Everyone serves one another. That's why the church is called a body with many parts and every part is serving the other. That's going on here. Verse 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. Just look, that 12 of them. I'm not, cons- I'm, I'm not saying this about all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. He says, there is one among you who does not share this life, though he has been with us. He will break koinonia. That is Judas. He'll break koinonia. And that's what people do. They break koinonia. The Bible talks about these things. He says, if you have an issue in the church, settle in the church. How can you take an issue of a church with a brother to the Gentile to the court? Settle it. You're breaking the principle of koinonia. This is a shared life. Because whatever you and I do, what we touch is we teach the Spirit of God, the life of God. In Psalm 55, 12 to 14, Jesus is actually quoting quoting uh, David. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones of bones you have broken may rejoice. High, not 51. Did I give you 51? 55, right? 55. I gave you 55, not 51. not 8, I think 55, 12 to 14. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you. It was you. A man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. It is you who turned against me. You broke Koinonia. Who is David talking about? He's talking about Ahitophel. He said, all these years I walked with you, I listened to you, I asked my doubts, I took your counsel, I led my administration, and then one day you turned against me and he's plotting to destroy me. What happened to you? Koinonia. Jesus is saying the same thing. You, one among you, Happens in homes, 
happens in churches. Only two places where koinonia takes place. Office and all is a different thing. We are a witness. Koinonia is home. Believer's home. The believer's church. It's a different life altogether. Philippians 2 verses 1 to 4. First, therefore if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. How can you, how can we be like-minded? We all received the same spirit, but we need to receive the same word. That's what I said. It is not that you should not listen to others. You should listen to others after what has been fed in your own home. Otherwise, we will not be like-minded. You will not be like, you cannot be like mind because everybody is hearing different things. How can you have the same mind? The apostolic church had the same mind because everybody heard the same doctrine. Can judge doctrine whether it's true or false and all, but if it is true, then listen to it so that we can be of the same mind. That's what the Bible is saying. Having the same love. Not different love. I love that one. This one loves. No, we have the same love. Same love. Where does it all come from? It comes from the spirit and from the doctrine. The sameness. And being of one accord. One mind. One accord. One mind. Then verse 3. Let not Thing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Don't do that, he says. That's what Ananias and Sapphira did. And they just died. Today people don't fall, die, fall and die in the church. They die slowly. They don't realize it when it happens. But they die slowly. See, I said, there was strife between Abraham and Lot. Next thing, they separate. Lot separates from the spiritual man. He thought, what a fool he gave me first choice. He took and he went. He looked. He saw. He left. Twenty years later, he's finished. Some of the choices you make will not be seen now. Wait for ten years. Wait for fifteen years. You will see you are destroyed. And you trace back where you were destroyed is you walked away from fellowship, from the spiritual, from koinonia. The day Lot separated from Abraham. He was nailing his coffin. That's how it works. And we don't have to make mistakes. The Spirit of God is there. He said, I will guide you. I will help you. You have to think that way. This world holds us nothing. We are koinonia. We are the body of Christ. And our purpose is unity, is the gospel. It is not other things. Other things have been guaranteed. You put this first, these things, I will give it to you. If you have food on your table and clothes on your back, you should be content. Not even a roof is promised. Why is not a roof promised? Because God may tell you, now I want you to move there because I need you there. That's why Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, who were the inheritors of that land, lived like sojourners in tents while Lot built a house. When fire came, his house was gone. Abraham kept on moving his tent and building altars. 
There is no confusion in the kingdom. You hear from God. You should be share a life. And then when God moves you and you are moved, that life is never broken. Never broken. I've seen people who have left the church and fellowship and life broken and people who have moved and the fellowship is still never broken. And they could be at the other end of the world and gone 10, 12 years ago. The fellowship is never broken because they have understood the principle of koinonia. I will not break the spirit of Christ. Faithful where they are, but they know we are one. Koinonia. You need to understand. Let each one of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Epistles are all written to the church, to Koinonia, a fellowship, a set of people who are set apart, living a common, shared life. First with God, then with one another. Remember David? <laughs> Once he sinned, he was an utterly miserable man. Why? Fellowship was broken. Fellowship was broken. He's somebody who knew. Fellowship was broken. That's why in his prayer in Psalm 51 is all about his sins. And then he finally he says one thing, which is the core of Psalm 51. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I cannot love. I cannot love without it. Please take the crown, take the throne, take everything. Don't take, break fellowship with me. You know what Ditch Bonhoeffer said? The Baptist pastor who was hung by Hitler. He who is alone with his sins is utterly alone. He who is alone with his sins is utterly alone. God says you don't have to be alone with your sins. Just give it to me. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. That's why even in homes, homes, you have to guard yourself from jealousy, envy, everything. You know, husbands can be jealous of wives, especially these days because the wives are all very educated, bring better salaries than the men. No, there's no room for these things in the house of God. Education, I've seen it, I'm telling you something which I've seen as a servant of God for years in homes. And I sit there and I listen to it and I realize, you know what, the problem is jealousy. This man is jealous about his wife who is supposed to be his one. Why did Cain kill Abel? Jealousy. Jealousy. Genesis 4.9 Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Again, God is coming and asking. Fellowship has been irrevocably broken here. Where is your brother? What did you do? Koinonia is gone. You killed him. It never can be restored. What did you do? Did he listen to God? No. 
Look at verse 16 and 17. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east. I always tell people we are in the east. But remember, people always go east. Going east means going away from God. Lot also went east. Cain also went east. And, okay, he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. You see people who go away, break fellowship with God and man and go farther away. They build great things because they are empty inside. I pursued this under the sun. I pursued that under the sun. I built this. I built that. Why? He was empty. Solomon. All this building and success is not going to make any difference because you have tasted koinonia, the life of God. Nothing can replace it. Miserably they will wander and they will build things. And then at the end of the life they will have one proverb to give. Fear God and do his commandments. That is the whole duty of man. Dude, you are already finished. Don't you know what the life of God is? It doesn't work any other way. Acts chapter 15, verses 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Paul said, Lord, let's go back. Now you need to go on mission rounds where I have gone before, where I go back. I look, first thing I look is not to preach, I look for. And I asked the pastor, that one is missing. Where did this one go? Who is your worship leader? That last time I came, he was really good. He said, no, he fell away. Oh, this one is still there. When I came one year back, you were there. When I came three years back, you were there. When you four years came back, you are still there. What are you looking for? Those who have understood the principle of koinonia and have rooted and a blessing in their churches. That's what he's talking about. Some days Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are going. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. That's his nephew. Then Paul insisted they should not take with them one who had departed from them in Pamphylia, had not gone with them to the work. He said, no, this is a man, young man, he's young. Give him time. He has broken koinonia. You cannot trust him. You cannot trust him. So let him grow. Let him mature. Let him stay back. We don't want you. I know he's your nephew. But relationship, blood does not matter in spirit. Yes, blood is thicker than water, but spirit is stronger than blood. He said, leave him alone. Then contention became so sharp. That they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to. After that you read the Bible. You won't see Barnabas. Barnabas is gone. Over a relationship. He broke Hinania. Paul took. He took. Silas. And departed. Being Who was commended by the brethren to the grace of God? Paul. Barnabas is a senior man. He's a senior apostle. The one who mentored Paul. But the brethren who is walking under the spirit is not commending Barnabas who is going to Cyprus, but is commending Paul because Barnabas has broken Kainonia. Whom did Paul take? Took Silas. <laughs> you know what will happen next? Go to Acts chapter 16. 23 to 25. 
There is a meeting, not a meeting. There is a prayer meeting. They come. There is a deliverance and little later. And when they laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas. This is the most powerful, vibrant koinonia you will ever read in the book of Acts. Two people chained together for the gospel. They are praying and singing. And everybody was listening. Because they had never seen the life of God being manifested like this before. What was manifesting was the life of Christ. Where does your doctrine come from? That's what I write to all my churches. Every last week also. Daddy, this one died, that one died. I said, sing. Grieve for the person who's lost, but string that lived well and died well. Sing what is written. Sing. If you are persecuted for righteousness sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. The apostles went out rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ. Doctrine doesn't change. This is the doctrine of Christ. Sing. And they were singing. The Bible says, suddenly there was an earthquake. The power of God comes in. Because this is koinonia. The life of God being lived out in the midst of Gentiles. Right. I told last night, God even picked the spot. They were put in the inner prison. So when they sang the whole nine yards, everybody would hear. And they were listening. They had never seen anything like this. That is the life of God. This is not religion. This is not programs. This is a shared life. Two people chained together. If you go to verse 25, you know how it should have been written? But at midnight hour, Paul and Barnabas were praying and singing. That would have been eternal history. Instead, it is written, Paul and Silas. You know why Barnabas is not there? Because he broke Koinonia. Get these pictures very, very clear. Get these pictures. This is how it works. Because the world has all these programs. Disparate groups, different days, they come together. They come together on a shared thing. Oh, football lovers, music lovers, arts lovers, poetry reading club. You know, everything is there. And they think it is fellowship. It's not fellowship. They never share in each other's troubles. They don't share a life. But here what is happening on the day of Pentecost is people who did not know each other, people who are from different stratas of society, different job profiles, all went into the water and came out as one. And when you read how they lived, you need to realize, Lord, restore. People, somebody wrote about, I asking God for restoration. Do you know what you need to rest, ask for God restore? Lord, restore koinonia. That is how your church lived. And that's the only way the church was called to love. Restore, Lord. Restore. Restore. 
restore. Final verses for today. Let's go to John 21. We'll read a lot of words. Good to read scripture, okay? Do you read at home? If you don't read at home, we'll read at church. After these things, this post-resurrection, after these things, Jesus is taught and taught and taught. Post-resurrection also, he was teaching through the Holy Spirit. Read Acts chapter Act 1, 2, okay? Don't have to go there. Everything he does through the Holy Spirit, because that is the only way koinonia can be established. Even Jesus himself, post-resurrection, does not teach a word to his disciples other than through the Holy Spirit, because one life. He breathed upon them, received the Holy Spirit, then through the Holy Spirit teaches to those who have received the Holy Spirit so they can share one life, the life of the Father. There's no two lives. Only one life. Only one life. That's why you have to watch your homes. You cannot have competition between a husband and a wife. It has to be one. And when those homes come together in the church, the church becomes one. One mind, one faith, one spirit. Because it's a shared life. Let's go further. Simon, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, two others of his disciples were together. And suddenly Peter gave the brilliant idea. I'm going fishing. They said, we are going with you. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Why? They broke Koinonia. Jesus had told them something else. And they're going fishing. Fellowship is with the son first. Then what one another. Oh, we will go fishing. God said something else. So koinonia is not going to work. You broke koinonia. You broke the life of Christ. So the whole night they fished and they caught nothing. Verse 4. Now when morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Go further. Yeah. Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? He will bring food over there. Because koinonia is usually established over food. We have fellowship lunch, fellowship dinner. What is that dinner lunch there for? It's fellowship lunch. It's koinonia. We share the same meal. So he asked this question. Children, have you any food? They answered him, no. These disciples, have you noticed they never carry food? He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. I'm not giving a lecture on this, okay? But we'll go to the principle of Christ. They cast now and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. And then, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. The other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net. And as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there fish laid on it and bread. Do you know while they were fishing, he was making breakfast for them? We shall have a good time of koinonia. You're discouraged. You're depressed. But if we have to share that life, you have to listen to what I am saying. And we shall have a talk over breakfast. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went, okay, let's Net was broken, was not broken, and verse 12. These are the, in each verse there is a message, okay. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread, gave it to them, likewise the fish. 
This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So after they finished eating nicely, he asked the leader, Mr. Peter, Peter, after they had eaten, nice koinonia meal, fellowship, everything, he asked them, do you love me? you love me? More than this. Do you love me? Are you getting the point? It is always about life. It is always about love. It is always about a shared life. And the question is still asked is, do you love me? No condemnation, no shouting, no screaming, nothing at all. Fed them nicely. That's a good time. Eat a heavy breakfast or after dinner or supper, whatever your time, homes and all, after you've eaten full and belly is full, sit down and talk. Have koinonia. These are the pillars on which a home or a church is built. First is doctrine. If you don't have doctrine, your meals are waste. It is a waste of money and a waste of appetite. But if your doctrine is right, it does not matter what you eat. If the doctrine is wrong, it matters what you eat. Because your focus will be on the food. Just bread and fish. Nothing else. Fellowship meals does not have to be five course. That's the problem. The problem is we think five quarts. So if I have to call that one or give that one, I have to cook so much. No. You just find out somebody who's in need. Okay, that brother, that sister, it's okay. Just one rice dal and one sabji is enough. But the fact is that you have reached out in koinonia. I care. Or maybe some other need. Whatever it is. You heard, you know, you were in prayer or whatever you heard and said, let me help. That's what Acts chapter 2, 42 onwards says, those who had sold it and put it at the apostles' feet, so they gave to them those who did not have, and nobody lacked. What was happening? They were living a shared life. What a life. Shared life. And they came through. They came through. Everyone has something to give. That's why God asked Moses the question, what is in your hand? That's the only thing he had. Everything else may belong to Zipporah. Shoes was her father's, pants was her father's, shirt was hers. He had nothing after 40 years. One stick he brought from Egypt. God said, that's enough. With that stick, I will bring my people out. If you are willing to use what you have, you can bring somebody out. That's how koinonia works. The Spirit of God is always hovering around to look who is there. Who is there who understands the spirit of life. For the Son of Man did not come to serve. To be served. He came to serve. And that was his final lesson for his disciples before his death. What did he do? Wash their feet. And what did he do? His final lesson before his ascension? He cooked for them. Jesus never changes. He's still the same. 
still the same. He never changes. Before resurrection, post resurrection, he's still serving. He's not a king. He's a servant king. There are kings and queens here. Very few servants. Don't break koinonia. That is the life of God. Acts chapter 2, 42 onwards, the life of God begins. Never has been replicated anywhere. It is impossible to replicate it. Because to have it, you need the Spirit of God. He needs to be Lord. And God will not allow that to be broken. Where it is broken, He just withdraws. What do we have left? A program. What do we have? A performance. Where the Spirit of God is not there, it is just a program. It's a performance. So this morning, we will stand up. It's a personal thing, one-on-one. One-on-one with God. How's fellowship with God? Fellowship with one another. Don't be Cain. Where is my, where is your brother? I don't know. I don't know. Am I a brother's keeper? We are our brother's keeper. All of us. Put the kingdom first and see how God will start changing things. And the Bible says when they looked like that, God did amazing miracles in their midst. God, they didn't have to do anything. Miracles were just naturally happen. You know why? Because the life of God was flowing through Koinonia. Where the life of God flows, miracles flow. Because the life of God is not and cannot be a natural life. It's always a supernatural life. It's not a natural life. It's a natural life, it's my life. If it's a supernatural life, it's God's life. Surrender. Nobody has lost by surrendering to God. So this morning, on your own, say, Lord, I surrender to fellowship. Fellowship with God. Fellowship with man. We are one. We are not many. Many, yes, but one. Spirit of God, lead me. Show me what you want me to do. I'm here. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. For you are raising a generation. Everybody wants Elisha's anointing. But they don't want Elisha's life. The only thing that was known about Elisha for 18 years was this was the man who poured water on Elijah's hands. They won that double portion of his anointing without his life. There is the anointing you have reserved in these last days. I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh in the last days is what you said. Old men and old women, young and old, everyone you said. But it will be a Kainonia people. A people who have set themselves apart from the world and set themselves apart for one another. It's an ecclesia who understands the meaning of Kainonia. And there will be a power that will be released by God upon your lives. Increasing measure. And signs will follow you. You will speak in other tongues. You will cast out demons. When you lay hands upon the sick, they will be healed. 
even if you partake of a poison it will not harm you you will handle snakes and scorpions because the life of god is in you flowing out the principle is koinonia commit yourself to fellowship a shared life with god and with the body of christ no other life will god accept in the church this morning father as individuals and as a church listening online around the world we surrender ourselves thy will be done in our midst thy name be hallowed thy kingdom come so that one day we can stand and say thine is the kingdom the power and the glory all god's people said amen 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 now may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and above all the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide in each one of us amen fellowship not gossip fellowship